Welcome in. Thursday edition of the Sports Huddle on CMO ESPN Radio. 93.5 FM, 1220 AM, and online at com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin inviting you to join us here in the huddle. Here's our EBOMD huddle hotline number 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline is powered by EBOMD. Jess Bolin in the house. How are things? They were great. A sunshiny day. If I knew that Dawn was listening, I probably would have sung a little bit. But uh, Oh, she's listening. She is. All right. Uh, no, 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 no. She's not listening. I can see clearly oh, now. The is. rain is gone. There it is. I can see all obstacles in my way. Wow. Hey, there you are, Dawn. Now you can laugh. Wow. <laughs> so I start her day off good. A wow. laugh at the beginning of the show. <laughs> it's so bad. It's it's. You really would hate to save yourself in the shower with that voice. <laughs> yeah, not uh, not good. Not exactly. You led where, me into that. Where we wanted Tell to me go. She was home. With that, uh, NFL football tonight. Are you interested? I don't know who's playing. Chargers Raiders. No, not much. Two teams going nowhere. The starting debut Are you for the Chargers game? of Easton Stick, Jess. Easton Stick. You're not interested in watching Easton Stick play quarterback for the Chargers now that Justin Herbert is out for the year? No, I don't think so. Are you interested in that game? No. Go ahead and admit it. No, it's garbage. But Easton Stick... You and like then, that name, don't you? Yeah, that's a very good name. Versus Aiden O'Connell, who will be the starting quarterback for the Raiders. Aiden Stick, or I'm sorry, Easton Stick, <laughs> Aiden O'Connell. What do you think about that? <laughs> Matchup of the year. Did you ever swing an Easton Stick <laughs> when you played baseball? Uh, no, they, they cut, well, maybe it old-timer game or something like that, you know, but um, they were kind of gone. I mean, they wasn't there yet for me. I used wood pretty well up to, I mean, I would pinch hit or DH one game or something as Rick Weezer. Congratulations to him and Clemente Bonilla for going in the Hall of Fame, SEMO Hall of Fame coming up February 2. I heard it, uh, I, well, I saw it online, you know, that this list, but uh, those are the only two I think I really know. Um, but anyway, you know Ryan Spilly. Oh yeah, well I interviewed him on the field before. I forgot about him. Ryan Spilly was really good, left-handed pitcher. Had if, good, really good stuff. wasn't really overpowering, maybe eighty-eight, but boy, he could pitch. If I was a baseball player. And they told you my name was Easton Stick. Would you say fake name? Uh, yeah. Who didn't swing any Easton when they were younger? Now, maybe a little before your time. Well, I, but they when were I, there. When I was growing up, Little League and 
Pony League and Colt League and high school, Easton. That was the name of the best bats. Well, they uh, the the green Easton. I still got some of those bats, or in fact, Tom has got them. It's a silver him. bat with green yeah, lettering. I, yeah, I still yeah. got some of them. And, and maybe then, hey, maybe they're valuable now. If they are, Tom, I want them back. And then I transitioned into the Easton Black Magic. Man, yeah. everybody wanted a I Black got, Magic. Well, you think all aluminum bats that I would collected when I don't know when they came out. Late sixties, maybe seventies, early seventies. Well, think of all the aluminum bats that I bought every year that's still usable, and. They're all in a big box. In other words, you I don't think it, one guy could carry the box. They're so heavy. And it's probably 60 bats in that box and a lot of the green label Easton's as you're talking about. The black one. Um, black Back then, when they first came out, they were very expensive. I think an Easton bat would cost you about $35, $40. And now, it's un- unbelievable what they ask for those bats. You buy your buy your kid in high school aluminum bat, and it's going to probably cost you two fifty three hundred. That's ridiculous. In nineteen sixty nine, Easton became involved in team sports through the production of aluminum baseball bats. They did not invent the aluminum bat. But they developed the technology that made them a viable product. They were. They were great bats. <clears throat> I used plenty of them taking batting practice, you know, because as an old player, even though I was managing, you still, you love the game. So you step in, take BP with the team sometimes and stuff like that, try to stay a little bit active. So I used plenty of them, the black one and all of them. But. We used more wood. I remember, you know what I paid for my first wooden bat? Three bucks. Two dollars. First wooden bat, Montgomery Ward. And, well, wait a minute. I have to take. You're dating yourself just using the term Montgomery Ward. Uh, Yeah. Down on Main Street. How long have they been out of business? Well, I can remember when Main Street was flooded all the time. For the built wall. But you could buy a wooden bat and a baseball for $3 through the catalog. Montgomery Ward catalog. So I saved up my money and bought a wooden bat. And that wooden bat was a really good wooden bat. It lasted me quite a while. But 3 bucks, dollar for the baseball, $2 for the bat. Montgomery Ward opened its doors in 1872. Now, well, you've got to know when they closed them, not when they opened them. They closed shop in 2001. There you go. So they were up to date. They're in the modern world. 22 years ago. My sister Karen worked at Montgomery Ward up in the office. And my wife, Mary, was employed there with my sister in the office so that's how i met my wife also through karen i remember she came to the karen's wedding 
And um, I remember in the reception asking somebody, who's that? And it's I pulled my Joey out of friends and went up and talked to her. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> How about another old-time business that started with a W? Woolworths. Yeah, F.W. Woolworths. They closed in 1997. You know where they were? 97. Positioned at on Main Street? Right when you get down to the, when you leave from Broadway, all the way down to the end of the Main Street business area. Now, you you know where the stop sign's at. Firestones was across the street, and... F.W. Woolworth right on the corner. I remember F.W. Woolworth. They had a counter. You could go in there and get you a malt or, you know, ice cream sundae or banana split, that kind of deal. Like George Bailey did? Yeah, yeah. When he was a kid? And, yeah. And it was a long, you know, t- uh, bench there, the other cabinet top. And so you could have, like, 20 people. Like, he used to serve malts at... For yeah. his uh, yeah, that's, old man, um, old man Gower's drugstore and Buckner's that's still there in name. I think Buckner's now is a restaurant, or that was last time I went there. Went there to eat. I don't know if they changed it over, but Buckner's was always there and still is. They used to have uh, Polly Parrot money. And that would be if you bought some clothing or shoes there, they'd give you like monopoly money, but it was good on your next product, you know, that you come in and buy. It got you a big discount. So, and they were the first place ever went to get a pair of shoes that they would actually measure your feet and suit you up with a pair of shoes that actually fit. Like Al Bundy would measure people's yeah. feet when he sold yeah. shoes. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, we asked the question yesterday, what is $100,000 in 1960? Well, I asked the question, and you got the answer. Hopefully. In 2023, it, it, 100000 from 1960, $1,016,351.35. Yeah. So it's over 10 times the value the average inflation rate for the dollar between 60 and 2023, 1.95% per year. So Ted Williams would have been a million-dollar player back yeah. in the day. Yeah, but not $70 million. No. I, uh, well, you know, back then, let's face it, baseball and football and all of it was didn't have the money to generate or the ways to generate money like they do now. Basically, you know, when you'd go to a Cardinal game way back then, there was no charge for parking. If it was, it was very minimal. And so they didn't get revenue, really, from anything but ticket sales. And I remember when Cardinals considered it a good crowd with 12,000, 14,000. A lot of games, they had nine, 10,000 people there. And that was it. So... Your wages wasn't wasn't going to reflect anything but ticket sales and maybe concessions, but most of the time 
the Cardinals especially didn't have any control over concessions. You had to work at Woolworths in the off season. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why a lot of guys would barnstorm. They would get all-star teams in the big leagues to go around and play teams like Kappa Halls or whoever they could play exhibition games. And, I mean, the, the rumor is, I don't know, I wasn't around, but the rumor is Dizzy Dean actually pitched down in Sykeston in an exhibition game against Kappa Halls. And Elon Van Gilder pitched for St. Louis Browns. Did he strike you out? And his grandson... Uh, Dizzy strike you out? Uh, I don't think I faced him. <laughs> but anyway, I think there's some truth to that rumor, too, because that, that rumor, if I'd searched through the Kappa Hall archives, I think I would probably find some information about that. And besides that, the Van Giller family still lives around here. Clay, his grandson, pitched for me. So there's a lot of history around this part of the country in the Midwest because several ball players would line up teams and go around after the season. I remember when some baseball players made good money and their average payroll was like six or $8,000. So you needed another job if you wanted to live a you know, better than average life. But then when TV come in and, you know, you got more control over parking and concessions and, you know, merchandise selling and all that, you know, the revenue came up so much. Now it's all incorporated. Corporations have, have more tickets in stadiums than the, the fan that walks up and buys a ticket. There's no question about that. And that's a good thing. They usually give their tickets away to employees and stuff like that. So it's, you know, you always got big crowds because the corporation buy up a lot of tickets. But that's all good. You taking calls? It's Kevin James would say, it's all good. Yeah, I'd like to have a call. Let's Is it Dawn? Head to the Huddle Hotline. It's powered by EBOMD. Ken is on the line. Ken, welcome into the Huddle. Hey, boys. What a what a great way to start the show by enjoying the dulcet tones of Jeff Bowles. <laughs> Good. You get a laugh, Ken? <laughs> what a, no, what a... Are you taking requests, Jeff? I mean, no. some, some a, a variety of show tunes, maybe a little Christmas. Well, you know, honestly, Ken, that was a request from uh, Don Shaw and Eric's wife. Call, yeah, and call yes. Eric, don't, Eric, don't, was over, Eric was bemoaning your, your tones. Don't, he, don't you get know. him fired up, Ken. We need to shut that down. Hey, and that was an actual song that she requested. So uh, that went out to Don Shaw and anybody else that couldn't stand it. So, oh, what? Why, why does Eric hate? Why does Eric hate singing, Jess? What's wrong with him? I don't know. He can't sing. That's the reason why. There's no <laughs> doubt I can't sing. I, hey, there's two of us in this booth, Ken, that can't sing. Eric's uh, one of them, but only one of us knows that he can't sing. <laughs> now, now, who's saying? Uh, which one of you sang "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" at the? Uh, that at was the Eric. Game? Hung his head out the window. And you know That's why? Me. You know why he did that? I coaxed him into it, and this is a true story. We're sitting there, and I had kind of, the, you know, one of these uh, pixelated moods. And I said, Eric, why don't you lean out and sing like Harry Carey? He was your favorite broadcaster, and he looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, 
No, no. I said, $50? He said, mm, yeah. And so I give him 50 bucks to lean out and sing, take I me out to the ball game. I sang, take me out to the ball game, Ken, and then received a Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I remember listening to that game. Unfortunately, you know, like unlike WGN, you guys didn't, you know, carry it on through the break. Or I, is there video anywhere of that, Eric? No, there was, uh, we were in a commercial break. I will say this. You never think that anybody is paying attention in the dugout. They're strategizing. They're getting ready for the next <laughs> inning. But uh, when Andy Sawyers came up for his post-game interview, he commented on me singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game." So apparently hey, yeah. he, he was made aware hey, of it. Hey, Ken, we know, we know that he will, Eric will humiliate himself. We just don't know what price. <laughs> yeah, well, we, it's we found out, didn't we? Minimum of a Ulysses. That's a minimum. <laughs> So don't blame me for singing on the show. At least, uh, well, I've got 19 people listening. And hey, I'm not. I, I, again, great way to start the show. It, 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 the Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord, right? That's I, what I, it I, says. I, <laughs> that was a joyful noise. I'm not sure hey, how joyful it was, but hey, it, it was a noise. Dawn Sean says she's got video, I guess, of Eric singing. She just texted oh, wow. me. So. <laughs> Hey, that could yeah, go viral. We're gonna bury that video if it if it <laughs> hey, if, I suggest, if it really exists, it's buried. I suggest she puts it on Facebook. <laughs> well, hey, you guys, you guys have heard probably of the. I think it just started this morning at six o'clock. The FCA auction of what forty five items that's online. Don Sean can upload that video, and you can auction that baby off, Eric. Wow, there you go. You're gonna be famous, Eric. Yeah, they'll pay me to not <laughs> release the video. <laughs> Hey, speaking of, uh, uh, you, you spurred another thought when we were talking about the taking me out to the ballpark. I was watching here just a couple of days ago uh, for the umpteenth time the the catching hell, the Bartman thirty for thirty. I know, Eric. I know you've seen it. It's a great one. Oh yeah. But uh, the the seventh inning of that game, of course, you know the Cup fans were looking. You know all the conspiracy theories. Remember, remember, uh, Bernie Mac saying, "Take me out to the ball game," and he said, "Root, root, root for the champs." And then the Cup fans were bemoaning that that he. That Bernie Mac jinxed us with playing the champs. So you remember that part of the 30 for 30? What jinxed the Cubs was Alex Gonzalez booting a routine double play ball that a high school shortstop turns into an inning ending double play. Hey, they booed, That's what jinxed the Cubs. They booed Jack Buck in Chicago, too, Ken. When Jack Buck sang it, he said, root, root, root for the cards. And that yeah, didn't go over that. very well either. <laughs> I remember that. But you're right. I mean, they talked about that in the 30 for 30, but. Yeah, and he was like the most sure-handed guy in the league that year. If he turns that Taylor made double play, then you know there there is no partner. He was literally in there for defense. He was not an offensive player at all, and that was just a routine double play ball. And he kicked it, and they got crushed after that. And you know, I know they showed that, and they took you know the angles of it. They took the other. You know, there were other fans around Bartman, obviously going for the ball. They took them out of it, uh, and but you know, it was right. It was almost right above that railing. I mean, he didn't clearly reach out over the railing, and then the other thing, you know, alludes to a little fit immediately when after that happened, and then that got everybody riled up. That's yeah. why. That's why the fans went nuts. Was Moises Alou's reaction? Yeah, his reaction. Then they got got the guy up there on Waveland with a little TV on his head, and then that's when everybody was picking up. Hey, it's the goofy guy in the hat and the green turtleneck, and then it obviously got ugly. I don't know if you remember this, but the following Halloween, that was one of the most popular 
Halloween costumes in the country. People were dressing like Bartman. Crazy. And, you know, to, to his credit, I mean, I, and I think he got a ring, didn't he, Eric, from the, two, the 2016 championship? Did yes. they give him a ring? They did. They gave him a world yeah. championship ring. And, man, how much how much money through the years? And, again, he was probably worried at you know, somebody taking a swipe at him out in public. But, how you know, uh, to appear to, for card shows, I mean, he was offered appearances. You know, I wonder how much money he turned down. And to my knowledge, still never – has come out public with anything. I, I've never even seen a, a sit-down interview with Steve Bartman. I mean, if, if Steve Bartman walked down you guys' hall right now, would you even know him? <laughs> that really that really had an effect on that young man and, and probably ruined a lot of his life for a bunch of idiots to display the anger and hate that they did on him. And the other thing with that, too, you know, you, first, you, you look back in hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, you know, the umpires could have bailed him out there too, because if it, you know, if it's an appearance, then he's out. That's, that's correct. Not, that, that wasn't called either. That's correct. They could have called it, but Alex Gonzalez could have fielded that ground ball, and we would not even know the name Steve Bartman. Well, didn't he reach into the stands trying to make the catch? Though he jumped up toward the wall. Yeah, I mean uh, the wall. The ball was clearly up. in the seats, wasn't it? He didn't reach out over the field. He was. He was borderline. I don't think you can get fan interference if the ball's actually out of the playing field. If he reached across the, the ledge onto the playing field with his arm, like they did where it right. was and, at and, and, and it, Stadium or Baltimore where where they did, the guy clearly was across the outfield. No, it was Yankee Stadium. Yeah, okay. I remember that one. And, uh, Jeffrey Mayer, right? Yes. Yeah. You remember who the outfielder was for Baltimore? Oh, not off the top of my head. Stupid piece of useless information that somehow is lodged in my brain. The guy's name was Tony Tarasco, the right oh, fielder yeah. for the Baltimore Orioles. They had something similar to that in For Love of the Game. You remember that? Where the ball was more like uh, Jose Canseco. The ball went off the top of the head of the right fielder. Right. And... Uh, <laughs> Kevin Costner told him, you know, he was upset. He said, don't go out there and make it a joke to the media. It, it, that's well, a good movie. They even said in that 30 for 30, maybe as it turns out, Bartman was a genius after all with the, you know, the so-called disguise on because like, hey, if he walked, he walked down the hall or walked by you now, would you know who Steve Bartman is without, you know, the hat, the, the Walkman, the, the green, the turtleneck? You probably wouldn't. Yeah, but the first reporter that researched and found his real name and put that in print was a jerk. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, they, they showed the 30 for 30 cop cars out, you know, uh, out in front of his parents' house there for, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, days at least to protect him. Yeah, it was, it was a, a complete overreaction. They should have They should have camped out on Alex Gonzalez's lawn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, again, he, he doesn't kick that. It's, he, the the inning's over, and they're going to win the freaking baseball game. I mean, unless something freakish happens, they're out of that inning. I mean, they got six runs after that. Yeah, prior. Yeah, prior. In that inning. Dominant. In that inning, they got six runs. Yeah, I mean, and they, it was over, right? There. They got zero yeah. runs. If Gonzalez fields the ground ball. Way to go, kid. You brought up the Cubs and their demise all the time, and now you got him going. <laughs>
Hey, I did want to mention I saw a couple of days ago Ryan Flournoy going to the uh, Hula Bowl, and then I think just this morning I saw uh, Lawrence Johnson as well, right? Lawrence Johnson is going to play in the Hula Bowl along with Ryan Flournoy, so they're going to get some really good exposure for professional scouts. And, you know, NFL, XFL, CFL, you know, even if – if they can't make an NFL camp, which I think Flournoy will, and I think there's a chance he's getting drafted, that Lawrence Johnson could be a guy that's a that's a signee, you know, an undrafted free agent. Yeah, and that does nothing but help recruiting. I mean, I hope they both make it to the NFL. I really think Flournoy will. I will be really surprised if he's not on an opening day roster. Wouldn't you, Eric? So would Tom Matukowicz. I mean, he, he flat out has said on the coaches show, from what he is hearing, he believes Flournoy will get drafted. Yeah, he and I talked about it a little bit at our uh, the all conference banquet we have in Popper Bluff. He actually sat by me and we uh, we talked a little bit during dinner and during the program. But yeah, he, we we talked about that in particular, and uh, you know, just about the season next. Year. You know, what what a great guy, Coach Tuke is. I know things didn't end, you know, season wise like you know, like we everybody wanted or the the, the expectations. What a what what a great guy he is. Just to you know. And again, at a game, you know, really, Sam. I mean, I know you know what we're doing the show, but just to just to sit there for a couple of hours at the banquet and just we laughed and shared stories. The guys I was sitting with, but what a what a great guy, Coach Duke is. He is. We're well, all guys, great guys. Uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, we're all. Don't call me Eric. Oh, I'm sorry, Jess. Uh, we're all great guys, <laughs> Ken. We just don't get enough credit. Whoa. Where can you go to a show and listen about sports and you get singing, you get uh, old movies. You get nostalgia on Main Street back in the 50s and 60s. Where do you get that at? Uh, you guys deliver just a, a plethora of information. <laughs> oh, God. Now you, what, you didn't cuss us, did you? What's that <laughs> I word? Plethora? So. <laughs> <laughs> plethora, yeah. A bunch. It's your hey, turn. the show, guys. I don't know. Uh, we're getting right up against it. I don't know what you guys' schedule is next year or next week. I'm sorry, before Christmas. But uh, I don't hear from you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, I enjoy you guys immensely and uh, enjoy the show, uh, obviously, as well. Fantastic, Ken. Always good to hear from you. See you guys. All right. Uh, well, obviously, we will not have a show on Christmas, which is Monday, the 25th. We won't have a show Tuesday, Wednesday, because of our coverage of the Southeast Missouri Christmas Tournament. So Thursday on Christmas week, we'll be back. Maybe. But I don't still, know about me. I, still, I, I may not. I don't think I'll be here 29th, wherever that falls. Yeah, the 29th is when conference play starts for SEMO. That's a day off in the Christmas Tournament. SEMO has their... Conference double header against Southern Indiana at the Show Me Center. So that's the one I, day I, I they're taking take a vacation day like you do. Yeah, got to get your vacay days in before the end of the year. That's the way it works. So this Southeast Missouri State Athletics Hall of Fame, Jess, uh, the names for the hall of fame and i'm sure you don't have an issue uh, i guess i don't want to speak for you uh you probably don't have an issue with who is going in but it's uh it's a really good class and some athletes that we definitely saw 
never saw Blake Smith, the track star, but he was a three-time All-American. He's from Jackson and one of the great track and field competitors that SEMO has ever had. So he certainly deserves to go in. Lori Chase, who played for Ed Arnzen. Uh, she played from 99 to 03. And I think we may have started doing women's basketball her senior. No, no. I saw her play, um, but I don't think we were doing women's basketball in 03. I could be wrong. So I don't remember when I started sitting in on basketball. It was quite a long time ago, but I don't think it was then. Um, but anyway, I don't I don't remember. It may have been '04 when we started doing women's basketball. It was '04 '05, one of those two years. Uh, Michelle Summers, who played softball from 2005 to 2008, three-time All-Conference. Selection, all-time leader in doubles, RBIs, home runs. That's pretty good. And she's going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Clemente Bonilla going into the Hall of Fame, Jess, who was an All-American in 01. He was the OVC Player of the Year that year. And then, of course, the next year, 2002, they won the whole thing. You know, uh, they won Clemente the regular Bonilla, season title and the and the tournament title. Clemente Bonilla, um, I got real to be really pretty good friends with his dad. He, he's at more games than you could think of. I think they were from California, weren't they? Bonilla family. Yes. And um, Clemente, you and I talked all the time about him. You might as well get a, give him a three-two count when let him step into batter's box because he's eventually going to get to three-two. You remember that? He would foul off pitches, and he was just a guy that was a pest to the other team. And um, so, good kid. I'm glad to see him go in. And Ryan Spilly was a very, very well, uh, it, you know, entitled to go in. And Rick Weezer, undoubtedly. So, it's, you know, those three I can... You know, tell you I really knew, but some of the others, I just didn't have the opportunity to meet them. Bonilla, obviously, is the all-time walks leader in the history of not only SEMO, but the Ohio Valley Yeah, Conference. I mean, it, it was 3-2 every time he batted. 207 I mean, <clears throat> walks in his career. 207. He is fourth in doubles. Tenth in hits, fifth in runs. I mean, he just he had a great, great career. On base percentage with all those walks, fourth all time. His career on base at SEMO, 472. And you remember when he first got into the lineup third and base. got to play, they put him at third base, and that didn't work out. No, it did not. But they moved him to second base, and he was an All-American after that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just can't play guys in certain positions. Clemente didn't have the arm to play third. He, uh, And I think by knowing that he had to get rid of the ball quickly, I think that contributed some of his errors. His throws to first were erratic. I mean, you, it seemed like you couldn't go a game without an E, through, e at five. 
you know, air at third base. And uh, we talked about it on the game broadcast a lot and stuff like that. Uh, and and they moved him over to second base, and he was at home. You know, they, that was what his home. He's where he should be. And he became the player to be a Hall of Fame player for Southeast, and that's simple as that. Made it to double-A with the Cincinnati Reds, played in the Orioles organization, and then Ryan Spilly was on that 98 OVC championship team. <clears throat> Wichita team. at Wichita State University in the regional. And uh, that was the year that Marty Michelle and myself and two other guys roomed in the same room. At, um, Barry Gresham was one of them and Marty and me. And I can't ever think of the other guy's name. He was a sports writer from Missouri. And if Marty's listening, he knows the name. But um, four of us in a room, and that was really nice. And so, <laughs> but uh, the Missourians sent two writers. Well, I think so. Um, maybe he's a writer for another paper. Okay, because <clears throat> we did have another paper in town at the time. But Marty would, you know, we can get Marty to see tell that us was, who it was that was the year before we started <laughs> doing baseball here in our company. We got we got the baseball contract in ninety yeah, nine. So you got to remember, the people back in that day didn't have the luxury that you've got. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think the four of us paid for the motel room. So Missouri wasn't sending you there; they may wanted you to go to cover the game, but I don't think they's picking up any expenses now. Marty, correct correct me if I'm wrong. But I do think we all split the room. That's why we all went in the same room. So Ryan Spilly, who was the ace on the 98 team, and that was the first SEMO team to ever win the OVC tournament and went to the NCAAs at Division One. He finished his career fifth all-time in pitching victories, second all-time in strikeouts. He was ninth in innings pitched. I mean, he had a fabulous career. He was taken in the 19th round of the draft, made it to double A with the Toronto Blue Jays before shoulder injury ended things for him. I remember the game he pitched. I think it was a night game. Um, Ryan Spilly's the kind of guy that you would have to get the corner. You know, he wasn't a guy that's just going to blow it by you. But like like Lucchese was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he didn't throw as hard as Lucchese. And, um, so, I mean, Lucchese didn't need to get the corners. <clears throat> he would just throw the ball by you. Oh, yeah. And um, he didn't get any calls at all that night. And Marty and I could discuss it pretty good, I think, Monday, if we think about it. But uh, he didn't get any calls, no corners. I mean, he just had to come in the strike zone. And he didn't really have the stuff to beat a team by just, you know, no pitcher. Who, what pitcher does? I mean, you know, some can go 95 miles an hour can pitch that way, but most pitchers can't come over the middle of the plate and expect to get people out. And so I, I, he lost that game, I think. And and then I think Simo went to and out, if I'm remembering correctly. But that was at Wichita State. I think Arizona came out of that uh, regional and moved on. And uh, <clears throat> I think they finished pretty high, too. 
But it's a good place to play and a good experience for Southeast Missouri getting their first regional. And uh, but just simply didn't get any breaks at all from them. Now I'm not saying call a ball that's outside or inside a strike. I'm just saying when it hits the corner, he wasn't getting that pitch. So, but he was a good pitcher. I remember lefty, good stuff. I think he's from Cincinnati. Only Joey Lucchese has more strikeouts in a SEMO uniform at Division One. Yeah. Rick Weezer was a starting quarterback at SEMO 74-75. And keep in mind, you know, he came from Fort Scott Community College. Uh, Weezer was injured early in the 75 season. I think I'm correct in saying he missed the first three games of the year, and they went 0-3. Then they got into conference play. Weezer came back. They went undefeated, won the MIAA championship. He was the MVP of the MIAA and the first team in program history to go undefeated in conference play. They went 0-3 without him, and they went undefeated and won the conference championship with him as a starting quarterback. And in 76, he was on the baseball team that finished third at the College World Series at Division II. I remember that very well. He played right field, I think. Um, He was, uh, Rick was a guy that, was uh, your Joe Montana type quarterback? Just a guy with precision, you know, and very accurate. Um, and baseball, he played on a great team. That seven seventy six was the year, right? Is that what you said? Seventy six. It had Trey Hastings on it, and and uh, uh, they were just really good. And that division two team could stand up to most Division One schools. That's how good they were. So in 76, finishing third at the College World Series, that baseball team has already been inducted into the SEMO Hall of Fame. So Weez is already a Hall of Famer as a member of that team. Now he is going in as an individual two-sport Hall of Famer. Yeah. Football base. So we know a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you think he'll sign autographs now, HOF? <laughs> you gotta, no. You got to go HOF. No, I know. Right? I know Weezed a lot better than you do if you think he's going to sign HOF. I think he's going HOF. No, I don't think so. And He uh, might as a joke to me or you, but I don't think he would. Uh, if you get on the website, SEMORedHawks.com, and you find the story about the inductees into the Hall of Fame, they've got pictures of everybody when they played. Check out the flow oh, yeah. of Weezed. He had that kind of flow when he played for me. That long, yeah. long hair. He... The, yeah, he's got he's got uh, tremendous flow in this picture, and you can see it at SEMO. If Red I Hawks. remember correctly, and Weez usually listens to the broad, uh, show here, uh, he and Bill Crisoni came to my house one night, and Mary was you know made him stuff to drink and all this kind of stuff. You know, the, when I say drink, 
it was sodas or tea or stuff like that. It wasn't any liquor, but uh, there was never any liquor in my house when I had my kids growing up. But I, I'm sure they come out to my house uh, in, in requesting the chance to play with the Caps. And uh, both of them really good players. Bill Crisoni was kind of a wild man on the field, and Rick was just the opposite. But I took both of them on that night and was never regretted it. You describe him as a wild man? Bill Crisoni. Bill Crisoni. Yeah, I think Rick would, too. <clears throat> on a baseball field only. <clears throat> Bill Crisoni was um, on... And everyday life was courteous and calm. But when he'd get on a baseball field, for some reason, he would, <laughs> he felt like he's on stage or something. We'd get Rick on there sometime, and he can tell you, Bill Cassoni, uh Well, he's just texting me. He's, he's listening to the show. I sent him, by well, the way. We should have a comment then. I sent him the picture that they put on the website with the... Uh, with the flowing locks that he had yeah. back in back in seventy five. Well, on our team, he was voted the cutest player. Wow! <laughs> so, so uh, that's I, a category to vote on. <laughs> no, it was kind of a, it was Mary's idea on our banquets, you know, to throw some stupid stuff in there, and uh, not not that it was stupid. He probably was the best looking guy on our team, but uh, just kind of one of spoofs, you know. I remember they brought out a box of straws for soda or drinks and give me a box of straws because I'd always chewing on a straw. And they said, I'm sorry, <laughs> Jess, this is the last straw. <laughs> yeah. This is the yeah. last straw. So we, we had a lot of fun at the banquets like that. So we do have NFL football tonight and uh, some interesting baseball news. And we will hit that when we come back, the sports huddle on SEMO ESPN. Don't forget blues hockey tonight, 7 o'clock, Ottawa Senators Enterprise Center. You can hear it right here on SEMO ESPN. It's a sports huddle on SEMO ESPN, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM. And you can find us online at SEMOESPN.com. Uh, Jess, there was a Babe Ruth rookie baseball card from 1914. And it sold... It was a Baltimore News Babe Ruth rookie card, 1914. It just sold for $7.2 million. I was going to guess $6 million, but um, It's the third <coughs> highest sum ever paid for a sports card, narrowly missing the all-time most expensive card, $7.25 million for a... T206 Sweet Caporal Honus Wagner card back in 2022. Most expensive Babe Ruth item of all time. Here's the story behind it. In 1914, a 16-year-old Baltimore paperboy named Archibald Davis 
collected baseball cards of his favorite Orioles, then an international minor league side distributed in daily newspapers. He was fond of depicting a 19-year-old pitcher born on Emory Street named Ruth, and that is the card. He had 15 total cards. This uh, paper boy passed down in the family for generations. Oh, maybe he was in Lou Gehrig's story. Maybe they had that, it. They had it for part. 107 years before they realized <clears throat> that what they had. Remember in that movie where Lou Gehrig was, um, I don't know, 10, 12 years old. He wanted to play in that Sandlot game between the buildings, and the only way he could play is he give that Babe Ruth card, traded that card for a chance to play. <laughs> Maybe that was the card. I don't know. It's ridiculous, some of the you know things that people would do. Of course, if you got the money and you, that's what you want, I don't, I don't you know, feel bad about somebody doing that. Um, it's just like a facelift. People that want a facelift and can afford it, and they're in the public eye, you know, no matter what it is, if you're a salesman or if you're a movie star or whatever, I don't blame them for doing it, trying to improve their looks. It's just that uh, it, some of the stuff like baseball card stuff, that's ridiculous, that kind of money for a card. Just think that's just a piece of paper, cardboard. And that kind of money for it. Big business. Just to say you've got it. That's what it's about. You wouldn't believe the collection of Topps baseball cards that I had. 10,000 of them. Because the reason why I know, me and my brother, one rainy night, didn't have nothing to do. And he said, how many of those stupid cards you got? I said, I don't know. I said, you want to count them? And we count them. And he's over 10,000. Topps baseball cards. Mickey Mantle's. Henry Aarons, I mean, you go down the list. I had the entire Dodger roster when they won 55 World Series. Johnny Padres and all that crew. Roy Campanella, Sandy Alomar. Yeah, I had several thousand myself. And somebody stole all mine, though. Is that how you lost yours? No, my older brother sold them. Yeah. All at sold once. them, and they weren't his. All about whole box of them, probably. Well, yeah. I had a almost a chest. That's why he them. gets a low dollar Christmas present for me every year. And you know how day. I lost them? <laughs> we were in the flood area of Mississippi River down Smelterville. We'd get flooded all the time. If it was a flood, you know, came over the flood mark, well, they'd get us, you know. And our water would actually get inside the house. It, it'd be maybe four feet deep inside the house. So we'd move out. That's all you could do. But it was a two-story house. So my baseball cards were upstairs, and I didn't worry about them getting flooded up there, you know. So I had them all in a plastic wrap and all mint shape. And so I left them there, knowing that they would be safe as far as the water. Well, come back, and somebody had went up there and got all of them. And... Uh, I guess they rolled up there on a boat and got out and waded the water and everything else to get up there to them, but they got them all. And that was today's world. How many millions of dollars do you think that'd be with 10,000 all tops, T-O-P-P-S, baseball cards, back in the 50s and 60s? Probably fetch a good 
Good amount. No question that I'd be a multimillionaire with those cards. I mean, Mickey Mantle cards alone, rookie cards. Uh, I I don't know how much a Mickey Mantle rookie card would be, but I had like a dozen of them. And <laughs> I've still got all my football cards. Well, Tommy, Tommy, my son's a big card collector, and I've his still, kids are. I've still got all my football cards, and I've got them in <laughs> albums so that they don't get bent. Uh, Gail Sayers, Dick Buckus, Terry I, Bradshaw rookie card, yeah, Walter, Walter Payton rookie a, card. I've still got a few, uh, a few baseball cards. Joe Namath rookie card. I got Pete Rose's rookie card. I got. I got Nolan, Fran, Fran Tarkington when he played for the New York Giants. Yeah. When he played for the Vikings. Well, I got Nolan Ryan's rookie card. Um, and I've got a gold watch that was put out when Ryan. Nolan Ryan got his 5,000th strikeout. Uh, they put out 5,000 watches only on that uh, market for Nolan Ryan gold wristwatch. And in the, in the front of the watch or top of the watch or dial or whatever you want to call it, it's got a gold setting with Nolan Ryan's image and 5,000 listed on the watch. And uh, so I got that. And it's never been uh, used. Never had a battery put in it or anything. Now, that might be worth a few dollars. So, got that going for me. Which is nice. Yeah. Jess, Shohei Otani's jerseys are flying off the shelves. He now holds the Fanatics' all-time record for highest sales within the first 48 hours of a jersey release. They are literally flying off the shelves. That doesn't surprise me. And trust me, there are plenty of them being sold in Japan. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. The L.A. Dodgers are in serious discussions, according to multiple reports about Tyler Glass now and the Tampa Bay Rays. So most believe that they're going to trade for Glass now. Clayton Kershaw did an interview on AM570 LA Sports yesterday where he was still he says that he is still in the process of discussing what he's going to do next year. He's 35. He underwent surgery. It is a gleno humeral ligament surgery on his shoulder capsule should be back he says he fully anticipates being back this summer so at the start of the year that's not what he's talking about and most believe right now it's either you know each of the last two years he signed one year deal to stay a dodger well he's from texas so the rangers are giving him the full court press as well so uh, he says he does not want to go out the way that he went out with an injury. He had a really good year last year. And so it's going to be the Rangers or the Dodgers, most believe, if, well, whenever Kershaw's back and ready to go. He believes that it will happen this summer. And I think it'd be the Dodgers. I think he, uh, the Dodgers will want him to play with one major league club. And why wouldn't you? He's a class act. He's uh, good for the game and been an unbelievable pitcher. First time he pitched in the big leagues, if, uh, by memory, he serves, it was against Cardinals. 
And um, I think he might have got beat like two to nothing. But uh, he's been a credit to the game, no doubt about it. I don't think Dodger fans want to see him wearing another uniform. Ten-time All-Star, Gold Glove winner, won a World Series, three Cy Youngs, a National League Most Valuable Player. He's won the pitching Triple Crown, five ERA titles, first ballot Hall of Fame. No doubt. No doubt. Right now, 210 wins, 92 losses for Clayton Kershaw. And could you have an interview with Clayton Kershaw and not ask him about the Shohei Otani signing? No. You would be derelict of your duty as an interviewer. Yes. I don't know who interviewed him on that L.A. station. Here's his quote. It's just so much money, isn't it? This is crazy, but I think he's a unique, unique talent. I don't think that there's anybody like him, and once he starts pitching again, everybody wants to watch it. You know, I want to watch it. Well, yeah, it, most ball players are baseball fans. I mean, they love the game, and if you lowered the salaries to, uh, say, a hundred thousand dollars a year max, and and uh, minimum fifty thousand, they'd still be playing because they love the game. Um, so why wouldn't he enjoy watching a superstar like that play? Chargers Raiders tonight. Pair of five and eight Can't teams miss. with backup quarterbacks. Can't miss that game. Vegas, who got shut out at home in a three nothing loss to the Vikings last <laughs> week. Allegiant Stadium, three point favorites in the football. Three game. run homer, I guess, was too much. Huh? The over under in this game is thirty four and a half. Under. <laughs> What do you think? Do you think it over? These two backup quarter, 34 and a half. I'm looking. Uh, I think under would be a safe bet. The only other game this week that is also that low, it's a 34 and a half point over under for Falcons at So pa- somebody's got to win. At Panthers. Panthers are 1 and 12. Somebody's got to win 18-17 to lose if you took under, right? Yes. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to say these two teams are going to push 20 points. I think it'd be a safe bet, a good bet, not a safe one. But when you would you take over? Not a chance. <laughs> Neither would I. Maybe a maybe now, a, watch us come in here tomorrow. Yeah, 40, and it's 42 and it's to 40, 28, 21. Now you're going to have field goals in that game. Yeah, I would say. It, it might be like a ten to nine game, one ten, touchdown, ten six, and and uh, three field goals for the other team, ten nine. But on paper, and you know, let's face it, on paper you say, okay, this game's garbage. Well, you never on know. On paper, the two games on Monday night were garbage. Dolphins Titans, the Dolphins should have steamrolled the Titans. Packers Giants. Please. And they turned out to be two excellent games as Miami choked it up, and so did the Packers. Well, you know, we talk about great teams squaring off, expecting a great game. It doesn't happen very much. And mediocrity, facing mediocrity, 
well, would probably be mediocre game, we say. In <laughs> this, uh, you know, you're playing against your own competition there. So, I mean, on own level. So you never know. You got a poor, poor offense playing against a poor defense. So we you... will break down <laughs> the night of quarterback Easton Stick for the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll we'll break it down tomorrow <laughs> on this show. And then you've got Blues and the Ottawa Senators. Will the Blues get a bounce from their new head coach? Absolutely. They'll win tonight because Ottawa's a terrible team. So of course the Blues are under 500 too, but they're much more competitive at home. New coach Guys wasn't impressed. Absolutely, the Blues will win. I You're will. not going into Enterprise Center and beating Coach Drew Bannister. I can tell you now. Night, night one, right? Blues will win. I guarantee it. Putting the guarantee on. Yeah, it. I'll give you a milkshake off your uh, off your list that you owe me if uh, the Blues lose. You want to hear a stat that just makes you say, "This team's not very good." I give up. Is that that kind of thinking? Here's the stat for the St. Louis Blues. Now, can you fathom this stat for a second? The Blues have more shorthanded goals than they do power oh, play yeah. goals. Yeah, they've got seven, I think. Shorthanded goals, eight. Power play goals, <clears throat> seven. What team in the National High... Maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think they, they may have the worst power play. If, Can you imagine having more shorthanded goals than you do power no, play goals? No, and twice at least. <laughs> it's twice. unbelievable. I've watched the games that these this happened, and two times they got two shorthanded games in the same goal, uh, shorthanded goals in the same game. And a lot of times you won't get two power plays. How many games? Blues have never had two power plays in the same game, have they, this year? Maybe one, but they had twice. They got two shorthanded goals in the in the game. That's a rarity. But how could you believe that the personnel they've got no wouldn't do better on the power play than they have? It's you know we talked about it about first ten or twelve games how bad they were, but I didn't think they'd last this long being putrid. But they have. Jess, hello to the radiant and ravishing Dawn Sean. She is tuning into the huddle today. Hope she has a wonderful day. You got a final. Well, I want to say hi to her nugget. too, and and just remember, Dawn, I I lived up to your request, reluctantly. You probably are sad that you made the request. I think we could we could also <laughs> say you lived down to the request. Yeah, yeah. How about uh, me saying hi to my girls in Texas and Columbia and Kim? Um, Really enjoyed the talk about uh, F.W. Woolworth and all that kind of stuff. And her mother, how, where she worked down there when she was in college. Yesterday is not ours to recover, but today is ours to win or lose. I'm planning on winning my day. How about you? Somehow, uh, go out and make somebody smile. It's not hard to do if you just smile yourself. And we need a lot more in the world. You might as well start with yourself. Can I look in the mirror and say that I'm a friendly person? If you don't have a good answer to that, try changing it.
I plan on getting a shorthand of gold today. <laughs> How about hey, more rare to get a power play goal? Jess, we'll see you tomorrow. I'll try it. Stay tuned. Greeny is coming up. Enjoy Thursday, everybody.